0: Is Ben DeVries, and welcome to the second episode of A Corner of the River. Like the first episode, this will be a shorter one, continuing to reflect on the current crisis in Ukraine that was prompted by the Russian invasion and the war that they started, and the absolute uh, humanitarian crisis which has resulted. At times in the past, I've had a question or disconnect come up. That has certainly resurfaced for me in this last month, give or take, since the Russians invaded. The question is on my mind off and on, and I wonder if it might be on yours uh, from time to time as well. And essentially that boils down to the disconnect between holding two realities in my mind at the same time. The first of those is how much value we place on our own lives and on the lives of others we care about, we love. God himself places an infinite value on a single human life. We know from the Bible that he counts the hairs on our heads that he knows all of our most internal thoughts uh, fears concerns joys and everything in between about us and that goes for me and for you for your loved ones for mine and for every human being on the planet i think of our two boys, we have a 12 year old and an almost one and a half year old. And how much time and energy and care has been invested just in their relatively short lives to this point. Our toddler is uh, healthy and active and uh, keeping us on our toes, to, to put it mildly. And virtually every stage of his development is celebrated and um, talked about. And we spend so much time and energy naturally caring for his every need. If he's hungry, he gets fed. If he's sick, we give him medicine, give him care, take him to the doctor if needed. And all of that is exactly as it should be. That's the charge that we're given as parents, my wife being the real hero in this instance, um, but also extended family and friends who have cared and, and loved him. And our older son going through school, being homeschooled by my wife, uh, learning different subjects, um, me taking him to practice his pitching for the last two or three years in the hope that he can continue to play in high school. And who knows from there, the people who have invested in his spiritual life, uh, including people at churches and uh, people with Awana groups, um, and on and on and on. These are just two children of literally millions, billions on the planet. Think of my own life and how sensitive or aware I am to my own needs and getting them met, um, many of them legitimate. And I'm sure there's other needs that I'm less aware of and weaknesses that I'm less aware of. In fact, I know that that's the case. Um, but we legitimately invest in ourselves, hopefully and and ways that are better than others and have uh, lasting even eternal value and significance but we we have to care for ourselves and be in tune to where we're struggling where we're hurting where we're happy um and we spend time learning about that trying to grow as human beings investing in our our careers our hobbies and hopefully and from time to time and volunteering and helping others and helping other causes. And again, that's just one person. And that goes for you and anyone else on the planet. And, um, sadly, some have far less resources and time and energy to invest in that, um, even mothers of very young children. And we think of others in our lives hopefully on a similar level, that they warrant that degree of investment and care. Those in our immediate families, the friends that we're close to, our neighbors, are all, each of them, a single example of the infinite value of a human life. Myself, perhaps you, we struggle to recognize that far more frequently than we should, even with these, this relatively small group of individuals that we come in contact with. But I think on some level, or there's times at least where we're reminded of that, and we know it to be true. And hopefully we continue to tap into that more as we go along. Even the life of an individual animal is naturally important to us, our pets but also farm animals that might be cared for, other animals in the zoos, in the wild. Um, God tells us that they're important to him. Jesus says, not one sparrow falls without the father knowing. Um, So even animal life has significant value to God. Even our homes, uh, the places where we live and the communities and the physical land around us are often deeply meaningful to us and very meaningful to God as well. Personally, I get very attached to places if I've been in one for any length of time. And as just one example of that, when we moved from our last home a year and a half ago or so, I even wrote a poem about it in the style of Goodnight Moon. And uh, perhaps if I don't run into any copyright or legal jeopardy doing so, I can maybe share that at some point. But it was very important for me to think back on some of the things large and small about that place and living there that meant so much to me. Um, I knew we were going to a new home and a better home for our family, but I also knew I would never live in that place again and would never have that season of my life back. And that that was, in a way, a real loss for me. Um, and it was good for me to reflect on that and to cry about it and, you know, to share that with God. So within this naturally significant value that we place on individual life, and we know God places that much more significance on individual life and everything that accompanies and surrounds it, individual cases of loss and suffering and hurt are of huge importance. I'm sure you can think of cases in your own personal history and that of your family. Uh, I could as well, whether it's the loss of a loved one to death, whether it's Huge sickness or ongoing sickness, disability, um, whether it's the loss of a relationship, uh, loss of a career, moving one, from one place to another, as I mentioned, the loss of a pet, on and on and on. We know intuitively that these things should matter to us. Sometimes We seem to get mixed messages from others, maybe they don't have quite the emotional bandwidth to process them, but it doesn't diminish the fact that they are important to us, they should be important to us, and they are important to God. But what do you do when those individual cases of loss and suffering and tragedy are multiplied by thousands and tens of thousands in millions? like in the case of the current crisis in Ukraine. From time to time, we hear of individual stories from Ukraine. Uh, In the first episode, I mentioned a toddler that was being pulled from the rubble, and they were trying to resuscitate him. I just recently shared a story on Facebook of an 11-year-old who had been shot in the face by Russian soldiers. Um, They claimed that it was an ignorance And uh, I believe they helped her and her mom get to a hospital, but nonetheless, she was shot in the face. She is recovering. Uh, Of course, her mobility is limited, and she has uh, deep trauma from the event. And I'm sure you've heard of other stories from the front and from refugees. And uh, once again, these are just individual cases representing hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of others in Ukraine and people that have fled from Ukraine. What do we do with suffering on that scale when each and every instance is of utmost significance? I was looking at a couple of United Nations reports today. As of today, they say that over 1,100 civilians have been killed in Ukraine and almost 1,800 wounded. Almost 100 children have been killed in Ukraine. And it's very, very possible that the numbers are much higher in all of these cases. They just haven't been able to record all of them. There have been, according to the United Nations Re- Refugee Agency, over 3.6 million refugees who have already left Ukraine. I'm sure there's more to come. And... Uh, an additional 6.5 million people who have been displaced within Ukraine, each of them having left a beloved home, uh, neighborhood, community behind and everything that goes along with that. I'm sure you've seen images just like I have of entire houses and apartment complexes just being blown to bits. Um, and that's happened uh throughout Ukraine, some some entire cities have been devastated, uh, demolished, like in the case of Mariupol. I don't know what to do with tragedy on that scale, or even how to begin to wrap my mind around it. And I'm not sure that any of us really do, if we're being honest. I think we typically tend to either shut down in the face of it, and sometimes that's necessary for our mental health and to it on with other parts of our life that are important and other people we need to care for. And on the other end of the spectrum, we tend to obsess uh, even unhealthy ways when where there's not much we can practically do at a given point. Uh, We might be doom scrolling through Twitter, as they say, um, and it's not really doing anything productive either in our own minds or hearts or uh, in the situation itself. From time to time in the past, I've even found myself asking God, how do you, in a sense, live with yourself, live with so much suffering? I know it's not the best theologically worded question, and I don't mean it disrespectfully. It's just an honest question from a finite mortal to an infinite God. Um... If 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 I can barely wrap my mind around one instance of suffering or loss or hurt, uncertainty in my own life, let alone what I'm seeing in a situation like Ukraine, uh, multiplied tenfold. God, how do you wrap yourself, your your mind, your heart, your care around a situation like this without breaking down? Um we know that suffering breaks God's heart. Each case of it, we know that he's with the suffering, that he loves them. So we know that must be true, even on a scale like we're seeing in Ukraine. But naturally, we find ourselves asking, how is that true? If it is true, God, why aren't you doing more about it? The age-old problem of evil? Uh, How can an all loving, all knowing, all powerful God allow evil in the world and not do more to prevent it to ease it? And I'm hoping to explore that question a little more at some point in an episode as well. As humans, we are limited. um, Very limited, as this past 20 minutes or more is probably communicated. A week or two back, I was pointed to Romans eight. And it's a very meaningful passage on a number of levels. But I think what stood out to me the most at the time, um, in addition to looking at the verse now, which talks about all of creation, groaning, uh, longing to be liberated from its bondage to decay, as the NIV reads, And that we ourselves, as children of God, are meant to be part of that redemption of all of creation. But in verse 26 and 27, we read, um, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And later in the chapter, we also hear that Christ who is seated at God's right hand is also praying for us and to know that they're in constant communion with each other, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, praying on my behalf, even when I don't have words or good words, but just feelings and sensations, senses of foreboding and dread and Uh, longing for war to end, for people's lives to to not be ruined, Uh, and not knowing what to make of the scale of it, um, that he can do something with those thoughts and feelings, and that he does care. Honestly, it, it is hard to hold on to that belief moment by moment. We know that it's true, but sometimes we ask ourselves again, if this is so significant to God, why does he not do more or act more quickly or save more individual people from this suffering? And I don't believe answers are going to be readily available to those questions, but I do appreciate this passage Um, as a reminder that God cares. He cares about how I am feeling and thinking, even about other people's pain. We are limited uh, human beings. There's only so much we can take in or hold onto at any given time. And I do think it is valuable at times to pray about larger situations in more global ways. For instance, for, for God to shut down or destroy the Russian machinery of war, their missile launchers, their planes, their helicopters, their tanks, so that they cannot cause any more damage or injury or loss of life. To pray for protection and strength for the Ukrainian soldiers, um, to pray for protection for Ukrainian civilians, for those in besieged cities that desperately need safety and provision of all sorts of uh, uh, on all sorts of levels, from food and water to heat and medicinal provision. Protection for those trying to evacuate those cities to safer places. Um, there is value in pr- in praying on that level, um, knowing that we can't capture every single instance of suffering or potential suffering. And then I'm I'm starting to wonder if it's there's also value to putting more of my time and energy into individual cases or maybe scenarios. Um, If I'm scrolling through Facebook or Twitter and see someone who's in danger, who has been hurt, is in recovery, to just pause for a moment and pray. If I hear of other soldiers trying to join the Russian forces from other countries to pray that they would be turned back, that they would not be able to join, not be successful, not not contribute to the the, the violence and the horror. Um, if there's a group of Ukrainian soldiers or civilians in dire need um, or in danger to, to pray for them, um, sometimes it's a lot easier to keep scrolling um, or to just get anxious about it or worried about it and, and rather than to pause and pray. And again, you can't pray about every scenario, every single example, but just to do a little more of that. And that—that that is, it must be valuable. Those prayers must matter both on the, on the big scale and on the little scale. Maybe as you find yourself thinking and praying about the larger crisis in Ukraine, you'll find uh, certain individuals or groups of people, or organizations or ministries uh, that are reaching out to those people. Uh, that will stand out to you and you can pray for them in particular and maybe even give toward the work they're doing if you're able to. I heard of one man by the name of Gennady Maknenko who runs a ministry called Pilgrim that is based in Mariupol and has been working there for a number of years. Um, and he and his colleagues have evacuated tens, if not hundreds of people, including children and orphans from Mariupol and perhaps other Ukrainian cities, and they're also working to provide much-needed supplies to those who have stayed behind and those who have evacuated, uh, just doing absolutely heroic work. And I will share a link or two to that work in the episode notes, and hope you have a chance to check it out. Regardless, thank you so much for listening. Um, I appreciate you bearing with me for uh, perhaps an even more rambling monologue than the first episode. And to those of you who did listen to that first episode, um, I can't thank you enough for doing so and for the notes of encouragement that you passed along. They mean an awful lot to me. And I think I'll close uh, with a prayer. Father, thank you that you are involved in the situation in Ukraine. Thank you that you care more for those people, the suffering they're experiencing than we possibly can. Help me, help us to trust in that, to look for ways that you're working, to hang on when we don't seem to see that happening, or see it happening quickly enough. Pray that you would be mighty in that situation to stop additional violence and suffering, to care for all the lives that have been shattered through loss of life and their family and friends, through injury, through having had to leave their homes behind, pray that you would hang on to these people, show yourself uh, as real to them and to us as we pray for them from afar. In Jesus name. Amen.